Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode of the show, we hear from Dr. Shreya Sarkabani, founder and CEO of Human Capital Group, an evidence-based talent management firm. Combining science and analytics, HCG helps organizations such as Microsoft, Merck, General Mills, and Ecolab achieve better leader and talent outcomes. Shreya was recently awarded the Scientist Practitioner Presidential Recognition by the Society for Industrial and Organization Psychology. She is also the author of the book, The Role of National Culture in Transfer of Training, based on an empirical study covering 49 countries. Shreya earned her PhD in Industrial and Organizational Psychology from Bowling Green State University, and she has taught at the University of California, Berkeley, University of Hartford, and Illinois Institute of Technology. Shreya, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. So beyond my wee introduction there, please start by telling our listeners a bit more about your academic and career background. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Will. Um, I, as you just explained, I started out as an organizational psychologist, and soon after finishing graduate school, I got a tenure-track professor role at Illinois Institute of Technology. I, I love the science. I love discovering new things. Um, and while I was a professor, I had a partnership with a firm called Knowledge Advisors, which many of your listeners might recognize. Uh, they're now part of the Gartner Group, and they are the largest training evaluation company. So I, I got to do a lot of live projects with them, did all the custom analytics work for companies and realize our science is actually really useful. It can answer real questions for companies. And uh, so after a couple of years in academia, I actually decided to go to the business world. So I've had a few stops in my career journey until I got to where I'm today as an entrepreneur. Um, I work for a couple of different firms internally, um, building uh, the entire human capital system for a company called Dendrite on the East Coast, then leading leadership development at Levi Strauss and Company. And along the way, what I realized is science has a lot to answer and companies are leaving money on the table with the choices they're making about their human capital systems. And that's how I started human capital growth 10 years ago. So hope that helps as an introduction. It certainly does. Thank you very much. So let's uh, let's talk a bit more about human capital growth now. Then, uh, tell our listeners more about the company and it, how it helps those in and around human resources. Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, human capital growth was launched out of this gap that I saw in the industry that a lot of the decisions HR makes or businesses make about their people and their people systems. Um, seem to be underpowered, particularly contrasting it with what we know in science. So our mission is to help organizations make more fair and accurate decisions about their people. And we believe that this is really important for people and business to thrive together, for both parties to feel like they're in it for the good, and for people to feel like they can reach their highest potential by making investments that actually move the needle on what matters. And the way we help firms is by using what we know in science and rigorous studies that have already been done that are in the open source and uh, pairing that with analytics and systems design 
Um, we help companies design systems, but also deliver services and have an entire portfolio of education programs for HR to become evidence-based. So evidence-based is the foundation of the work that we do. In fact, it's the ta- our tagline is excellence through evidence. And our goal for a, particularly working with HR is to help the mo- needle move on what really matters. Um, I can provide some examples of how we do that, if that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, in the context of what benefits organizations stand by gaining a, uh, by adopting evidence-based HR, I'd love for you to, to offer a few examples there and places where it's worked. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the examples and I'll talk about how it contrasts with, you know, sort of a typical approach. So one of the projects I uh, had a chance to work on when I was at Denrite was to close the revenue gap in two quarters. Now, this seems like a very much of a business problem, but ideally this is the kind of problem that HR should be looking at is to understand what is the highest level outcome that we can drive And then you can look at the science and say, what do we know in science that will realistically move the needle? And often that answer falls in multiple categories. And as HR professionals, I think this is where the real opportunity is for us to look at the problem, not as the solution, as what we need to deliver. So, if, uh, so for example, in the case of this particular uh, project, because we had a big problem to solve, we, can, we could drill that down to who are we bringing into the organization? Let's take a look at the profile. How quickly can we make them productive in their role? So we looked at onboarding. Then how can we give them the skills that they need to do their jobs and do it faster? So we looked at training. And for all of these, we were able to go back to science and do the two or three things that we knew would move their performance to the next level. And we were able to feed that data back to the managers to say, here are the highest performers. This is the kind of guidance they're going to need. And here are the people who are likely to struggle and the people you need to watch for and make sure that you're paying more attention to their needs. And lo and behold, in two quarters, we were able to close the revenue gap based on, you know, what the analyst, the street was expecting. So uh, examples like these go to show that if HR truly cared about the things that industry has been struggling with, like low engagement, low levels of productivity, reskilling, we could actually realistically move the needle by using things for which there is prior quantified evidence. And that's what HR has to gain. Um, Unfortunately, what we see today is there's a lot of heuristic-based approach to addressing the business needs. But for the most part, HR is not even at the table to talk about what's the problem. Oftentimes, what happens is HR gets called when someone determines we have a, a skill gap, and therefore we need someone to come train. Whereas that may actually not even be the biggest problem that needs solving. So there's multiple steps um, to deliver to developing the solutions and evidence-based approach gives you the the right tool set to do that. Um, And I think that that, there's a huge opportunity for HR to change the way they operate and change the way they solve problems, which is what evidence-based approaches bring. All right. Thank you very much. Now, we are going to change tack at this point. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, what I haven't mentioned just yet is that uh, Dr. Sarkabani is going to be a speaker at the upcoming Disrupt HR San Francisco event. 
uh, as we record this in middle of April 2019. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Firstly, why did you decide to get involved as a speaker at Disrupt HR San Francisco? So Disrupt HR provides a platform for new ideas. And so um, I thought this would be a great place to get the word out about the benefits of evidence-based HR. And um, if I may share with you the title of my talk, I don't know if you've already seen it, Bill. Uh, yeah, I was just about to ask you about the title and uh, some of the, lear- <laughs> the learning outcomes. But yeah, please, absolutely go ahead. But tell us all about it and, and tell us uh, some of the some of the things that you're hoping that the audience will get from your session. Absolutely. So the title, we actually had a bit of a back and forth with the organizers, uh, and, and then we agreed to this one. The title is Why Hopium is Killing HR. And and the word hopium, actually, I first learned about it uh, listening to sales leaders talk about how relying on just hope and feeling is not going to drive better sales results. And the same applies for applies to the HR function. What we are seeing is for the last decade, in terms of the things that CEOs are most concerned about, particularly talent-related issues, we have done very little to move the needle. For example, look at engagement. Uh, There's billions of dollars that have gone into addressing the engagement issue, but at least by Gallup polls and a few other polls, it appears that we've done very little to move the needle. So, you know, if you had put your money in the stock market in 10 years, you got no returns, you would be really upset. So in HR, hope is not really getting us very far. Hope is a beautiful thing when hope is based on irrational optimism, that's the definition of hopium, then it doesn't really give you what you really want from it. That's not fair to employees. It's not fair to the organization. So if what my talk is about is how can you move from this hopium-based approach to more of a evidence-based approach, all the things that I just described, to be able to reliably move the needle on things like engagement, like closing the skills gap, like increasing productivity, increasing employee well-being, which has now become a huge social cost. All of these things have good answers. Science doesn't have all the answers, but it can at least shine a light on where we should be looking. And that's what my talk is going to be about. In terms of what I'm hoping for the audience to walk away with, is if we could get HR leaders, HR business partners, and anybody working in the function to think about, well, this is the way I used to do things, but can I go out and look for not the best practice approach, but practices that have quantified evidence, evidence, rigorous signs to help me make a better choice, then I think I would have accomplished my goal. So really, the idea is to change people's mindset of what they think works in HR. Wonderful. Thank you very much. We are already coming towards the end of this interview before we wrap things up. Uh, I'd love to learn how our, how our listeners can connect with you, how can they learn more about human capital growth, and also maybe how they can get a copy of your wonderful book, The Role of National Culture in Transfer of Training. 
Absolutely. Um, so uh, we have a website, uh, www.humancapitalgrowth.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. I tweet at um, at Sarkar Barney, S-A-R-K-A-R-B-A-R-N-E-Y. Our company tweets at H-C-G-T-M. And I can be, I'm on LinkedIn. So please feel free to reach out in any way that's suitable to you. My email is Shreya at humancapitalgrowth.com. And, and thank you for bringing up the book. The book is available on Amazon, uh, amazon.com. So you can find my book there. Um, and I'd love, I'd love for comments. I'd love to hear back, you know, what people's reactions are, your audience's reactions are, because I believe that this is really important. It's really important for us to do things that uplift people in a way that gives them a better future, both professionally and in terms of their well-being. Um, so I hope that I've piqued an interest here among your audience members. I think you certainly have. And that just leaves me to say for today, Shreya, thank you very much for being a guest on the HR Chat Show. My pleasure. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.